You are now listening to My Faithway Podcast. You can now find us on every major platform. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page with live services every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you want to become a partner or simply make a one-time donation, please text the word FAITHWAY to 77977. Click send and you will receive a link for further instruction. Feel free to comment on our Facebook Live stream services or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way, the Faithway. Understanding our covenant with God, our, our agreement with God, and how we can um, live that out on a, on, a, on a day-to-day basis. Because what's happening, in my opinion, is that um, there are some things that we major on in the Bible and then other things that we don't. And what happens is we, we end up getting um, uh, we end up getting into situations where uh, we're not really sure uh, where life is going. How did you know? How did I get here? Where am I going? And 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 what happens is you 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 kind of find yourself in life without a map. And really, the the number one thing that God is trying to is trying to give us on this earth is the assurance that he's looking out for us, that he's got our back, that he's, he's got a plan for us. Um, it was funny because I, I don't know how long it's been up there, but I, I just noticed the, uh, the sign on the way in uh, that's right there as you open the door that says <clears throat> that God has a plan for you and a plan for, for good. And the thing is, all of that is true, but if you don't know the plan, you really can't be, you know, with the plan. Um, and so that's really, you know, so uh, I think every once in a while it's good uh, to go back and kind of review our fundamentals um, because, uh, you know, if you've ever seen, um, you know, uh, NBA finals, the Super Bowl, all that stuff, I mean, you can say all kinds of things about the teams that are there, but one of the things that you can always say is that these guys are masters of the fundamentals, you know? Um, they, it's not about who has the special trick play. It's not about who has, you know, the, this, this new way of this new strategy. It's rarely that what it is, is people who execute correctly time after time after time. And that's really, that's kind of where we want to be. Um, the plan is already set in motion. It's just whether or not we execute. And so today, what I'm going to be talking about is, like I said, it's our covenant with God. And so I'm going to start right at the very, very beginning. So a covenant basically is just an agreement. Um, We could say contract. That's not a bad translation, except that these days um, contracts are only as good as, you know, uh, as somebody's word or the lawyer, they get to break it. And so it's kind of famous now that, you know, you have a contract. Well, so what? I mean, if I asked around here how many have been part of a contract that one side got broken. I won't say, ask you if you broke it, but you know, where somebody promised you something, you both signed on the dotted line and then all of a sudden things changed. And well, I know you thought you had a contract, but we'll see that over here. And it just turns out not so much. Okay. So maybe contract isn't really a good word for it, but it's kind of the best thing we have. Uh, for those of us who are old enough to remember Westerns before those became politically incorrect, um, you guys maybe remember the idea of blood brothers. And that really is, that really is the, the thing. I think in everybody's heart, that's something that they want to have. 
you know, they want to have somebody that they can trust. I think that's one of the reasons why you find, um, you know, so much uh, brotherhood among, among veterans because there was a time in their life where basically their life was in their, it was in their brother's hands. And, you know, frequently when you talk to them, you, you hear, well, you know, I wouldn't necessarily go to war for the president, you know, but I would go to war for my brother. And that is the kind of, that is the kind of connection that um, Christianity is supposed to be based on. It's supposed to be that kind of, of uh, agreement that is not broken. It's written in blood. <clears throat> and in fact, if you go back and you look at the Hebrew word for covenant, what it makes reference to is the cut. Okay, it kind of translates to where the blood flows. And it goes back to a time, I mean, uh, those of us who are married probably have one of these. If you don't, you should probably get one. Um, but this goes back to, I mean, it's just jewelry now. And I mean, yeah, of course, it has a lot of meaning. But this is a reference back to something that, a practice that, that, um, that people used to do that we don't do anymore. And so what happened when two people would get married, um, part of the marriage ceremony was a covenant. And I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit more because it's, it's one of the ones we're most familiar with. And so what they would do is, you know, there was no rings. I mean, gold was expensive. You couldn't, you know, most people couldn't afford that. Um, and so what they would do is they would present their hands and they would make a cut around their finger. And, you know, as soon as they cut it, well, now both, both people are bleeding. And then what they do is they take uh, usually they would burn something and they would take the ashes and they would rub it into that cut. And it basically became like a kind of a tattoo because when it healed up, you could still see that mark. And that's why you'll see sometimes in the Bible, they talk about the mark of the covenant. Now, depending on the covenant, there were different things, but the covenant always came with a mark and the mark was something that was permanent. It was something that, that wouldn't go away. And because of that, this meant that it was... It was an eternal contract. You know, you, you see those things, you hear those things in, in your, in your um, wedding ceremonies that are, you know, now we're like thousands of years away from the things that are written in the Bible, but you still hear them. When we talk about a covenant, we have that agreement. Um, and then there's the blessing part and the cursing part. And the blessing part is basically, you know, when two people come into, into that kind of an agreement, everything they have is now the property of the other person and vice versa. You know, um, when I've done uh, marriage counseling in the past, which, you know, don't do a lot of, um, it's funny because what the world tells you, I mean, it, <laughs> don't take your marriage advice from the world is pretty much all I can tell you. I mean, at this rate, uh, you know, the world thinks a marriage is something that goes along for about six or eight months until you find a better looking spouse or something. Um, so I wouldn't take my advice from out there. But one of those things that you hear, um, that's a common misconception. So marriage is a 50-50 proposition. Would you agree? Yeah, you know me, too, you know me too well. That sounds good, right? The, the, the world kind of tells you that. That's wrong. A marriage is a hundred hundred proposition. 
you both better give it all or it doesn't work. Okay? And that is, that is basically, that's what's, what God is telling us is God is not holding back on us. You know? And we forget that sometimes because we go to pray and we're God like, why don't you take care of this? Or God, don't you see this is bothering me? This is what's coming against me. And you don't understand that he's not holding anything back. That was the original sin in the Garden of Eden. When God told Adam and Eve that, well, I mean, he, he said that he was going to make man, and obviously that included women, but make us in his image. And the very first thing that the, that the devil uh, tempted them with was, you know, uh, oh, he doesn't want you to eat from that tree because then you'll be like him. God had already said he was making them exactly like him. So the temptation has always been and is still today. You know, God has promised you some things. God has told you some things. And the devil turns around and says, did God really say? Or he'll turn around and say, you know, um, I know he promised, but, you know, is he really going to do it? And that is the struggle of living in a covenant. Because, again, just like, uh, just like a, a, a marriage covenant, um, the entire thing is based on trust. You know, if I don't trust that God is going to do what he says for me, then from the very beginning, we start having problems. Because I can't, you know, you can't have a functional relationship, a good functional relationship, whether it's with your boss, whether it's with your spouse, whether it's with your kids. If somewhere in there, one of the parties believes that the other party is not in it all the way. Either you guys are on the verge of falling asleep or this is hitting so home that you all are, are truly very serious. But it is, it really is that thing. When, when you, you know, when you get to the point where you believe that your covenant partner is holding out on you, that's the beginning of, the, of everything falling apart. So this idea of, of blood brothers, of having a mark of covenant is supposed to remind us that we're in covenant. I'm going to pick on you again because you're sitting in the front. Did you ever wake up in the morning and you didn't feel married? <laughs> Guess what? It doesn't matter because you're still married. Okay? But yet, that's kind of what we do, don't we? You know, we get up in the morning and, and things maybe aren't that great and you're like... You know, like you wonder, am I even saved? You know? Guess what? Doesn't matter if you feel like it. You still are. And there's a certain, there's a certain trust in that. I mean, I'm kidding around, but it, the, the truth is, like, yeah, sometimes the people you're in covenant with do things that irritate you. That includes God. Now, I mean, he's still not wrong. If you're irritated, guess who needs to change? But, but nevertheless, that's life. You know, when, when somebody goes up and does something to you and then you're praying about it and asking God to please, you know, please kill them or something. And he, and he reminds you to go over there and ask for forgiveness. You get a little irritated. And yet 
you have to trust that you're still in covenant, whether you feel like it or whether that seems like a good idea, whether you wanted to. None of those, none of that makes any difference. You know, uh, you know, some days you get up and you feel like, you know, gosh, I don't even know who has a, you know, who we could say out in the world has a good marriage. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, you feel like everything's on top of the world. And then some days you feel like, you know, like a cat and dog got stuck in the same kennel. Um, but guess what? It doesn't matter. If the covenant was real, you're stuck with each other. Might as well learn how to fix it. And that is the same, that's the same issue that we find ourselves in. We are in covenant, whether we like it or not. And sometimes, sometimes that, that becomes a hindrance. Okay, that, that, that kind of bogs us down. Okay, so let's go back and, and look at what happened uh, because the, the covenant that we're a part of actually started with Abraham. So we're going to go back and look at that. So um, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to give a whole lot of scripture references, but I promise you it's all in there. Um, it's all going to start in Genesis chapter 15, and then we're going to hit Romans and then Philippians and then Ephesians and then 1 Corinthians. And then, so I, I figured we could either talk and you guys could get it, or I could sit here like a scientist and point to all the references. But I promise it's all still in there. Um, but we're going to start in Genesis 15, and that is when uh, God and Abraham, God tells Abraham that he's going to make a covenant with him. <clears throat> and what happens is, right then and there, um, God promises Abraham that he's going to give him a land to live in, because if you remember at this time, Abraham was just wandering around. So he said, I'm going to give you a land that you can call your own, and I'm going to multiply you so that your children will be as numerous as the, as the grains of sand on the beach. Okay, so this was a promise made to Abraham. Abraham was 86 years old when God promised him that. And he and his wife had never had any kids. So this was a little bit hard to believe, but God said, look, this is what I'm promising you. And the Bible says that he decided to make a covenant so that Abraham would understand that Abraham would believe that God would do what he said he was going to do. And so they took a number of animals, they divided them in half. I mean, it's a pretty gruesome scene if you think about it, because they literally cut the animals in half, like snout to tail, and they flopped them on both sides of the ground. And what they would do if, if me and another person were making a covenant like that, we would both be walking back and forth through the blood, turning around and like basically making promises to each other and making curses to each other for the times that we didn't. So in other words, you know, the promise would be something like, if anyone attacks you, I'll come to your defense. And then the curse might be with something like that might be, <clears throat> if you don't come to my, if you don't come to my defense, I will attack you. Okay, that's the, 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 the promises and then the penalties for breaking the promise. And these are the things, I mean, and that sounds like maybe to, to our ears, that sounds weird. Because, you know, usually when we promise things to each other, we promise all the good stuff. We never promise any of the bad stuff. You know, this, you, know and you shake hands and, and you're like, okay, we'll do this. And, and, and if you don't do your end of the bargain, I'm going to hunt you down and kill you. You know, we'd never do that in real life. But in fact, yeah, you probably, if you did, people would probably stop breaking their contracts as often as they did. 
you know, because, but again, what we do now is such a, such a watered down baby version. Back in the day, there was, there was no police. There was no FBI. There was nobody to call. It was your word and that was it. And your word was backed up by the number of people who would, <laughs> who would come to swing a sword with you if the other guy got out of line. And so this was life and death stuff. And this is what Abram understood, so that when God told him to cut these animals in half and make a trail of blood, God made Abraham to um, basically kind of pass out. But Abraham didn't walk through the blood. God walked alone. And the Bible says that you could see the, the, light, the lamp of God, is what it calls it, walking back and forth between the pieces. So... God made this promise to Abraham and he told him that he would do those things that he, he said that he would multiply him, that he would give him a land. All right. And again, Abraham was 86. Genesis 15, if you want to read it, it's a really good story. All right. Genesis 16, 10 minutes pass. I'm kidding about that, but a little time passes and, and well, you know, no kids. And so um, Sarah decides that she needs to help God along because, you know, we do that sometimes when somebody promises something and then they're not kind of getting around to it, yet we feel the need to kind of make, move things along. And again, understand that this is the very beginning of not trusting the person you're in covenant with. So, you know, I mean, they hadn't had... Hadn't had kids in, not, in what, uh, 76 years, 77 years, uh, but apparently a month or two was not, was not in, their, in their cards. I mean, God said we were going to have kids. I'm still not pregnant. You know what you should do? You should sleep with the lady that cleans the tent. And Abraham was like, you know, if the Lord wants you, you know, see, Dios quiere, there he goes. Uh, <laughs> And so there goes, there goes Abram to, uh, to help God fulfill his promise. Because, you know, obviously God needs help with that. Now, I'm not going to go into that story, but, you know, we've been dealing with that for a while, for a couple of thousand years. But you know what happens? They go and they have all their fun and they, you know, then they start having problems. And then, and then the, you know, the, the, the maid and, and Abram's wife start getting into fights because, well, you know, it was a big deal that she had a kid and the other one didn't have a kid. So obviously the one with the kid must be better. And so there's all kinds of fights. And, you know, I know that I'm talking to, uh, well, mostly myself when I talk about how, like, sometimes we do things to, like, kind of help the promise along. And then, like, we wind up with ten times more grief than we expected. And it really does, still doesn't work out. Am I the only one? No? Okay. Three honest people? Okay. So, so then what happens is that for 13 years, God doesn't show up. Because it's funny. When God says something, he kind of means it. And if you go and run your plan, that's fine. He still loves you. But now he waited until Abraham was, in the Bible's word, as good as dead. You know, there was, there was no Viagra. There was nothing going on. I didn't write the Bible. I just read it. He was as good as dead, says the Bible. 
because God wanted him to understand it wasn't his job to make it happen. Okay, so he had to, you know, so close to dead wasn't enough. We had to wait another 13 years until he was almost dead. All right, and then God comes back, doesn't even change his tune. As for, I mean, if you're not careful and you read those chapters in the Bible, it looks like he said this on Monday, and on Tuesday he came back and said, there's 13 years in there, and God didn't even change his tone of voice. He wasn't mad. He wasn't irritated. He was just like, you want to do what you want to do? That's great. I'll meet up with you sometime in the future when you remember that it was my promise, not yours. You know, it was my power, not yours. That's the part I promised to give you. What are you doing trying to earn it? So, again, that covenant between Abram and God, that comes down again to that, to that blessing and curse. Okay? Um, we go back to what we're used to in the, in the modern world. And I know that you guys, like I said, we're, we're kind of a, a, a long distance away from, from this life and death stuff. But even when you look at our, at our marriage ceremonies, we talk about, you know, why would we talk about in sickness and in health? Why would we talk about in good times and in bad times? That is an echo of the blessing and the cursing that, that people used to do when they would make these kind of agreements. Okay. And so those, what's happening is that, is that those, um, the agreement that God made with Abraham, or I should say that made with Abram, um, started off with God saying what he would do for Abram. And then, okay, so a little, a little period in the middle here where Abram tried to handle it on his own. But then when God comes back to him and he says, okay, so now that, now that we're all certain that you can't do it by yourself, now we're going to go back to my plan and we're going to do what I said. Okay? And he proceeds to, to um, you know, so at this point it seems like Abraham's, or I should say Abram is getting the point. And what ends up happening is that they don't cut another covenant. The covenant was cut the first time. Okay? But what they do is, is, is he reminds him of it and he does something different. He changes Abram's name to Abraham. And he changes Sarah's name to, well, to Sarai to Sarah. And so what he did, if you kind of understand a little bit about the Hebrew, I'm not going to go into it, but basically what he did was he took a piece of his name and added it to theirs. Okay? And so what happened was, so now it's just one more, one more step of God telling them, look, I'm serious when I promise these things, you know, you belong to me now. You remember that exchange? God gave them his name. I mean, I know there's at least a couple of you here that would like to have the last name of Gates or Musk or something like that, you know, to where you could go around and use the power of that name, you know. Um, I don't, you know, Elon's got a couple of little kids and you know, I'm sure if they run around the factory and they said, dad said, people are going to move, you know? Well, we'll get back to that in a minute. But, but so what happens is, so this covenant is set up and God has already shown Abraham sort of what the rules are. Look, you can obey or you cannot obey. It's up to you. Um, if you obey, you get blessed. 
if you disobey, you get cursed, but there's a path to come back. You can, have a, you can make sacrifices because that's the system that God set up. When, you, when, when uh, people under the Abrahamic covenant did not do what they were supposed to, there were sacrifices they could offer to, the Bible says, cover over. When it talks about atone, it, again, this is a little bit, a little bit complicated, but, um, but the idea is when people would go before, the, you know, when Hebrews, Old Testament uh, people would go before the priest and give an offering for their sins, what they did what the priest would say is that they would use the blood of the animals to cover over the sin of the person. Okay. So it's almost like if you, you know, kind of like if you owe money and you go to the bank and you're like, I don't have it. And they say, okay, well, look, we're, we're going to, we're going to put it off for another month. You know, we'll give you some grace for right now, but it's due in a month. So they've covered over what you owe, but you still owe it. Okay, and that was the Old Testament deal was those sins were carried and they would get. And so, again, uh, I don't want to go that deeply into it, but that's what the that's what the what the Hebrews used to do was they would they would come every year and all of their past years of past year of sins, they would make a sacrifice to the priest for that. And the priest would sprinkle the blood on the altar and that blood would cover Okay, so when they, would, when they would do that, you had God's seat of judgment. That's what the, you know, that part in the, in the temple, that's what it was called, was God's judgment seat. But on top of that was his mercy seat. And that's where they would sprinkle the blood. And so what God was saying is, look, you know, I'm not going to hold them against you, but those... Those sins, the, that, that debt that you owe against the covenant, it still exists. I'm just not going to collect today. Okay? And that was the Old Testament deal. So basically, under the Old Testament, we could either do what we had to do and receive the blessing, or if we messed it up, we would receive the curse. And the Bible's pretty clear in the Old Testament. We could live in the curse as long as we wanted to until, you know, the sin was paid off then we could offer a sacrifice and come back. And if you look at the story of the Old Testament, that, that is the story of, of the Jews in the Old Testament, is, you know, when they did what they were supposed to do, they were blessed. When they didn't, usually they went into captivity and they were cursed, and then God would, would bring them back after a certain period of time. Now, that is not our covenant, but you need to understand the way the old system works so that you can understand what Jesus did for you. Okay? So in the New Testament, Paul refers to those rules, the kind of rules that I just explained to you, as the rules of a child. All right? Now, if you have kids, that should make perfect sense to you. Okay? When you talk to your kids... As much as they, as smart as they think they are, not looking over at mine, as smart as they think they are, most of the time they can't comprehend what you're talking about. They're not in a position to understand. So you have to kind of, you know, 
tailor what you're doing for the kid. If you touch the stove, I'm going to spank you. Okay? Because that's really not the time and place to discuss the, you know, third-degree burns and how this could have permanent effects. Yeah, you don't have time for that. You pull the chunk loud, and you're like, one more time. Right? Because the kids, it's not about you. I mean, good parents don't like to hit their kids. Good parents have to hit their kids. <laughs> yeah, okay. So the good parents are laughing. Everybody else seems a little stunned. I know this is not politically correct. But it's like I said, what is easier to get over? A chunk out of the behind or a, a third-degree burn from sticking your hand on a hot stove? You know? So these are rules for kids. Do what I tell you or bad things will happen. These are, again, this is the Old Testament. God's telling people very bluntly, this is the right way, this is the wrong way. Do this, pow, pow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so you all get it. Okay, why don't you talk to them like grown-ups? Because they'll smile and they'll nod and they'll do exactly what you said not to do anyway. I mean, you know, not looking in the mirror about you with God or anything like that. I mean, it's not like he would tell you something bluntly and then you would just like go out and do it anyway. We'll get back to that. Because, you know, you had better ideas. It's that mom doesn't want me to have any fun. It's that God doesn't want me to have any fun. Whatever. Okay. So God's word, word clearly says that none of us will be justified by the law. And all he means by that is, you know, look, this is the standard, but just so you know, you'll never make it. You know, you, I know you think you're good enough to, to earn it, but you really can't. There's just too many rules. There, I mean, perfect, when God says perfect, he means perfect. And we can try and we can be real good, but we're never really going to earn it. Okay. And so this is the simple idea. If we do right, we get blessed. If we do wrong, we get cursed. And basically, the idea is under kids' rules, you have to earn it. You know, how does, it, how does a little kid make mom and dad happy? Just do what they said. That's it. Just do what they said. Okay? Is that going to work for their whole lives? No. But that'll work from like 2 to 20, give or take. Um. So now, now let's look at what happened with Jesus. Jesus was born into the Old Testament. So, I mean, I know that's kind of a, a weird thing to, to say, but basically the four Gospels are actually technically Old Testament. And that's why Jesus does and says some odd things that don't, they don't make sense because he's literally, everybody he's talking to is still under the Abrahamic Covenant. He doesn't have a new covenant until after he, he is crucified and resurrected. So before then, he's trying to explain to people under this law, under the kids' rules. Basically, he's starting to explain to them, you guys think you're good enough, but you're not good enough. That's why he had so many run-ins with all the Pharisees and all the priests and telling them, you know, you look white on the outside, but in the inside, you're all full of dead men's bones. That's what he's talking about. 
is, you know, you've perfected looking good, you know, presenting this picture to the outside world, but God sees your heart and he sees that, that all you are is just a good actor. Okay. So what Jesus did was he stripped himself of all the privileges of being God. Now he was still God. We don't get into the, we don't get into the heresy of saying that, you know, uh, that he was not God anymore, but what he did was he didn't, he didn't use his authority as God. I mean, you can see that in the, you know, when they come to arrest him and he's like, you know, the centurion's like, ah, we've got you. And Jesus is like, are you kidding? I could, I could snap my fingers and a legion of angels would be here and there wouldn't be left of it. You know, if, if one angel destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, 6,000 of them, there probably wouldn't even be a greasy spot left. Okay, but what he said was, I could. And then he handed himself over. So he could have done these things, but he didn't. He, what he was trying to do was demonstrate to us and for the rest of history that, that the covenant could be fulfilled Okay, and so in doing that, he won the blessings of that covenant. Okay, so God's covenant with Abraham was actually fulfilled perfectly by Jesus. And that's why he said, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill the law. He came to show people what it was like to do it right. Okay. But then... You know, so he earned, remember I said, kids' rules. Okay, you have to earn the blessing or you earn the curse. Well, Jesus earned the blessing. You know, and that's, that's kind of a, a, maybe that's a hard concept. Jesus earned it. Jesus was good enough. You know, he did perfectly fulfill all the rules that God had set out. But then something happened. And what happened was that instead, <clears throat> men turned around and accused him and then, you know, had this sham trial and then had a crucifixion. And what ended up happening was they, at the end of the day, if you read the, the story, they, um, they put him on trial for claiming to be God which would have been great except for the fact that he was, you know? And so what ended up happening was at that point, now you go back and you look at the rules that, that, that God had established under the Old Testament. And remember we went back to that, or when I was telling you about that, I said that what, what they would do is they would say, okay, so today you're coming, you're coming with the sins that you had this year and you're going to give us this animal, and we're going to transfer the sins onto that animal. We're going to kill it. And we're going to throw its blood on the altar, and that's going to cover over the sins, and you can be good for the whole year. You know, you still owe the, you still owe the debt. You still owe the debt of your sin, but we're not going to collect this year. Okay? What happened here was something else. What happened here was all those sins from all of history that had been laid up and God said, I'll, I'll take, you know, God said, I'll charge those later. You know, the atonement, the covering over of sin. Okay, well, payday came. 
okay? And all the sin that we would, that we would commit in our lifetime, that also was laid on top of him. And so what happened was he earned the blessing but accepted, willingly accepted the punishment of the curse of all of everyone's sins. And so what happened was God was able to make that exchange. So not only did Jesus earn all of the blessing that he received or that he would have received, but then he also ended up paying for all the all the, the 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 sins, all of the breaking of that covenant, that all the rest of us throughout time, the ones that had been the ones that had been uh, uh, you know held until later, the ones that had been atoned for, you see, and that's what we have to we have to be careful because in the New Testament, you know, sometimes we use words that really aren't New Testament words, you see. The Bible says when you confess your sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive you your sins. Why is he faithful and just to forgive you for them? Because he already paid for them. The only one, you know, going to kind of get out of this deep water for just a second and, 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 and tie it down to something that you guys are familiar with. So like sometimes you go to the bank and you make a loan, okay? And then someone goes to the bank and says, you know, I'll buy that debt. And they take the loan away from the bank and now you don't owe the, owe the bank anymore. Now you owe that person because he bought the debt. That's literally what Jesus did was he bought your debt and now it's his, but he's not charging you. So all you do is you're like, you know, you confess your sins and he's faithful and just, he's like, no, no problem. I already paid for that one. So it's like if somebody went to the bank on your behalf and just paid your, paid your loans off or said, I'm going to buy his loans. Why? Because God is just. He's not going to take money from the bank. Okay? Still needs to get paid. So he pays off the bank, and now he owns the debt. But he chooses not to collect from you. All right? So what has happened now is that, is that Jesus has paid our debt, and what happens is he has, he has the ability, you could say, I mean, he could, if he wanted to, try to collect from you, okay? But that's not what he wants to do. The Bible says, <laughs> it's funny because, if, you know, we, we, the, the old English doesn't really, doesn't really like click with us today because it's not modern words, but the Bible says that <clears throat> the handwriting of the ordinance against us was blotted out. Nobody talks like that. What that means is it's like you go to present the bill of what you owe and there's not even any words on the page. A lot of times you'll see like these t-shirts, which I, you know, it's a, it's a good idea where they show a cross and then there's a, there's a, a bill like nailed to the cross and it says paid. Yeah, not even that. The Bible was clear to say there's not even a record. When Jesus bought your sin, he tore up the note. There's no note that says paid. You're just paid off. And that is, that is Jesus fulfilling the covenant between him and God. Now, up to that moment, that really didn't involve us. But then Jesus turns around and offers us the ability to get in covenant with him.
Okay, and that has different, that has different uh, rules. That's why we have the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, and the New Testament, the New Covenant. And what happens here is just that we have to understand our position now is that we are people who um, <laughs> we spend so much time worrying about sin and, 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 and things like that. And the New Testament really isn't about that. Sin has been dealt with already. Okay. What it means is just, are you in, are you in communion? Are you in covenant with Jesus or not? Because everything else has already been paid. The question just is, you know, in other words, <clears throat> how do I, um, all right, I have to use my kids as an example. I know they hate it. But it's, you got you to gotta do it with family because otherwise you think God and us, and it's really not. It's God, we're God's family. Okay? So as the dad, the kids have figured that their bills are my bills. Okay, and all the parents said amen. So what happens though is, all right, so as the dad, I mean, come on, we've all done this before. You know, somebody comes up to you, oh, um, excuse me, sir, uh, one of your kids bought a shirt for me, a spirit shirt from school, and um, it's $10. What do you do? You pay it. Right? Right. Because covenant. Okay. Totally forgot where I was going with that. Um, it is a good point. No, but so, so what, ha oh, right. Okay. I remember now. So, so what happens is, so, I mean, that's just, that's just the deal. If I didn't want the, it, you know, uh, if I wasn't up for that, I wouldn't have had kids. You know what I'm saying? It comes with the territory. Okay. But let's just say that for some reason, my kids like, they don't like me. I'm too mean. I'm too whatever, you know. So many rules, all kinds of stuff. And they just, they want to do it. So they have these bills. They can't pay them. But they're refusing to accept the, they're refusing to accept their covenant with me. So they can live like they owe 10 bucks, even though they don't owe anything. I mean, you understand where I'm getting at? What I'm saying is we have to bring this down to a level that we can understand because see what's happening is when we reject God's covenant, when we do things differently, and I'll get back into that because it's super important, but when we don't play by his rules, then what happens is, you know, we run around trying to figure out how we're going to do it when God has already said he did it. You know? And now, hopefully, you're starting to see connections back with, you know, Abraham's boo-boo back there, you know, where he had to, you know, he went in and, you know, uh, had fun with, the, with the, the maid because God needed a little bit of help. I mean, I know God said, but, you know, God, this way seems pretty good. I mean, come on, have you not ever said that where God promised you something and then you kind of tried to, like, give him a little help? Okay, hopefully it wasn't with the maid, but well, I had to say that y'all were too serious. But so what happens is, I mean, it's like I said, come on, we've all done it. You know, God said that, that we would be blessed to be a blessing. And so then we went out there and tried to make something happen.
because that's what the world's all about. You've got to make it happen. If you don't toot your horn, nobody's going to toot it. You know, is that what God said? You know, so when Jesus, when Jesus willingly gives, up his, uh, gives himself up as a sacrifice and pays the penalty that our sins already earned, then our sins... Our sins were the penalty. In other words, our sins were his curse, if that makes any sense. And then his obedience becomes our blessing. Okay, so under kid rules, you got to earn it. You got to earn everything. Either you're good or you're bad. You do it or you don't do it. You get blessing or cursing. The Old Testament is very clear that that's how that works. But then God makes a different offer to us. And he says, you can be made, you can receive the blessing for obedience, even though you're not obedient. Okay? You know, talking to the dads out there, your kids have no idea what you do. You know, I mean, hopefully, you know, uh, now I'm pretty much 100% because because, uh, we're South Texan and 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 that's just guys are a little bit different down here. Um, no matter how much the world squeezes you, you don't tell your kids. You don't come and cry to your kids. And you don't understand. They made me work three extra shifts this week. <laughs> that doesn't. You don't. You just shut up and do it because you know you're the dad. That's what dads do. It's not. It's not your kid's job to worry about the light bill. Okay. Um. But what happens is that your work can become their blessing as long as they're obedient, okay? Your deal with your kids is different than your deal with the company, if that makes any sense, okay? Their deal, it, it, how can I put it? So you go out and you do whatever you have to do you know, to earn your money for the month. And then the kids come in and they need things. But then something, a, a different kind of covenant kicks in. Because what happens is they can either be obedient or they can be disobedient. And then that's different. It's not a law, for example. But if you're telling them to, you know, I mean, most parents don't, don't, don't push it too hard. I think some parents don't push it hard enough. But, you know, um, whatever, it is, whatever it is they need to do or they should be doing around your house, whether it's cutting the lawn, taking out the trash, cleaning their room, doing the laundry, whatever it is that you set up for your kids to do, and they're, you know, they just, I don't know, the word snot comes to mind. You know, they're just, they don't want to. I don't feel like, man, leave me alone. That's fine. You're probably not going to beat them. But... When it comes, you know, when you're at the store and you got a few extra bucks and you see, you know, the little toy that you know one of them wants, you know what? You can't really get it for them. You might want to, but you say to yourself, you know what? If I do that, their little kid mush brains are going to turn that into approval. And so, I mean, come on, we already know 
most of us have been to Walmart, and you see the kids screaming and yelling. Hopefully that's not you. You see the kids screaming and yelling and cursing at their parents for them to buy them a toy. You know, you know what's going to happen if the parent breaks down and gets that kid that toy. This is going to be a show every day for the rest of their lives. Okay? And if you're a good parent, you can't afford for the kid's sake to let that happen. And so understand that now, as New Testament Christians, we're in a different covenant. We're in a covenant with Jesus. He's already got everything. He wants to give it to us. He's predisposed to give it to us. But if we're acting like idiots, he's got to keep his hands in his pockets. Because if he does, you'll kill yourself. And he'd rather have you broke than dead. Sorry if that hurts, but it's just the truth. So when you, you know, so when you stand there and you, I'm just going to go ahead and say when you're desperate before God, because that happens. It just happens. You know, things are not working the way you thought they would. They, you know, and there's a part of you that says, you know, and, and, and your mind brings up that list. I go to church and I read my Bible and I pray a lot and all that stuff happens and that's great. But you're still wondering, why isn't this working? See, the problem is you're going back to your kids' rules. You're going back to Old Testament. I earned this. Where's payday? Not understanding that God said, you know, you can't, you can't earn it. You can't pay it. You're coming up to a $1 million bill with your three quarters going, I'll, I'll pay it. You can't. You know? Yeah, if you, if you guys actually, like, start seeing that that's what God hears when you try to show him all your Bible reading, you know, and your bills ain't paid. Ouch. Okay, anyway, you have to understand that you're trying, you're trying to earn something and you don't have enough. You don't have enough to pay it. What you need, so you're, you're dipping into the wrong covenant. It's not that it doesn't exist. God will take, you know, God will take you earning it. His, his covenant hasn't gone away. You just don't have enough to pay, you know. And you standing there telling God, you know, I can do this. Um, you standing there say, telling God that you can do this when, when he knows how much money you have in your, you, you, there's no way you're going to pay this bill. You know, what are you doing? You should be looking at your new covenant and saying, look, God, I realize that whatever's going wrong here, you've got it covered. What do I need to do? You see, parents know that there is a very straight connection, and it's not far, between a kid when you tell him, take out the trash, feed the dogs, whatever, that they're like, yes, sir, and they go and do it. There's a very short line between that and that kid getting a car, getting their toy. You know what I'm saying? If they do what you tell them to do, in other words, <laughs> what they have to do to stay in covenant with you as the dad is a lot less than, than what they earn. Taking out the trash does not earn you a car. But... If you're obedient to your parents and then your parents are able to get you a car, that's a whole different story.
okay? Again, can you go earn enough to get a car? Sure you can. It's going to be a lot of work. Might be easier. Listen to your dad. <laughs> you know, I, I, I know that, that at a certain point some of this stuff seems complicated, but it really kind of narrows down to things that are pretty easy if you understand family. So our only part, our only part in this deal is to stay in communion with Jesus and to make sure that he is, or, you know, well, yeah, just to make sure that uh, of his lordship in our lives, that you don't do what you want to do, but you do what he tells you to do for that situation. Okay. So if you make him Lord over the work of your hands, you'll be blessed. If you make him Lord over your relationships, your relationships will be blessed. If you make him Lord over your finances, then your finances will be blessed. That's just how it works. To the extent that you want to leave some part of your life outside, what you're doing is you're dipping back into that old, into that old Testament thinking. I can earn it. You know, I know God says, do this. I know God says, forgive my enemies, but I don't want to do that because you don't understand what they did. So what you're doing is you're shutting the door on how your act of obedience opens the door for God to bless you with something bigger than you can understand. And you're saying, no, 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 I want to extract vengeance, you know, or I want to hold them accountable Whatever it is that goes through your head, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's in, again, you know, it's like I said, that there's a very short line between obedience in the little things that God tells you to do and blessings that are far larger than what you earned. Because it's not about what you earned. This is, this is family. This isn't contract with, with a boss. This is family. And it's like I said, you know, if, if I tell my kids, oh, don't worry about it, I'll take care of that. You know, we go out for lunch or whatever, and I say, no, 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 I'll pay. Okay? They can sit there and stress it and order the French fries because they check their pockets and they don't have anything. Okay? If they're, if they're in good with me, don't worry about it, I'll take care of it. I have more than enough money to pay for the fries. I can even get you a baked potato if you want. That's, that's the deal. Okay, so what happens is we continue to remain out of covenant with God in that area, whatever area that is. I mean, I'm assuming, you know, as I look across here, I don't see anybody who hasn't been up, you know, who hasn't been up to give their life to the Lord before. Okay, which also means you guys aren't doing your job, but that's another story. <laughs> Said to throw that in there. But, um, but what that means is, Every single person, I can just say that I know because I know God that everybody here, everybody's needs in every area of their life is already met. Okay? But it, you may not be experiencing that in your life right now. And the question is, are you performing your part of the covenant in that area? And does that mean that you're not working hard enough on your relationship, on your finances, on your job, whatever area we're talking about? No. 
What you're not doing is you're not asking God what he wants you to do in that area and then doing it. Because sometimes it sounds stupid or it sounds like, like, how does that even work? Okay, but again, you're trying to make sense out of family. And family doesn't always make sense. If you sit here and try to diagram scientifically why it is that a kid taking out the trash when his parents tell him to every single day for 20 years means he's got a much better chance of getting a car when he turns 18. You know, that doesn't make sense with math or science. It makes sense with family because it's about, you know, it's about staying in covenant with your parents that opens the door to things that they can get you that you can't earn on your own or that would be very difficult for you to earn on your own. We've already acknowledged the fact that we can't earn it. Okay? So the least we could do is stay obedient to God in that area. Do what he tells us to do in that area. You know, I don't talk a lot about, about you know, sort of like um, different things that, that, that I've done with God or, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, I guess testimonies. I don't usually give a lot. Um, but one of the things I can tell you is that by far, by far, uh, one of the things that has, you know, uh, that has advanced me in like the corporate world, whether I was here or in school or at the, uh, you know, at the university, wherever, it wasn't knowledge of the subject. You know what I'm saying? The, the, the reason why people trusted me and, and would move me along or promote me was not because of, in other words, just to give it like, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. When I became a principal, I was not made a principal because of how awesome a principal I had been somewhere else or how much I could, you know, impressively show them about principling. That's not what it had. It had nothing to do with that. What it had to do with is all the things that I learned here. Okay. Can you be counted on? You know, can you be drama free? Can you, you know, um, are you looking for what you can get or what you can give? All of those things are what opened the door for me, you know. And now on the other side, now that I'm an employer, not an employee, well, I'm both actually, but as an employer, when we, you know, when we go out to look for people to hire, I don't look for a lot of the things that you would think. You know, when I pick up somebody to work in the classroom, let's say a math teacher, I'm not looking for how much math they know. I can give them math. I can teach them on math. What I'm looking for is I'm looking for, are they a person of their word? Are they a person who can be trusted? Are they a person who, you know, um, will see a need and try to meet that need? You know, is this someone who's teachable? Why? Because those things, you know, how much you know about math, how much you know about welding, how much you know about electrics or, you know, whatever it is that you do for a living, that's actually not very relevant to the corporate world because they can teach you stuff. What they want to know is, can you be trusted? Can they make covenant with you? I mean, I know that sounds, I know that sounds odd, but every single person here who has 
who has experienced that knows that, you know, yes, you've got to be good at what you do. You can't be terrible at it, but, um, but you have to, you have to be able to, you have to be able to be counted on, you know, you have to be reliable and that, because if you're not reliable, none of the other stuff makes any difference. You know, what, what difference does it make if you're the, you know, most awesome, whatever, you know, uh, most awesome accountant in the world, you'd never show up to work. So it's a difference, you know, I'd rather have somebody who, you know, who makes mistakes half the time, but is constantly hitting it and learning every single week because in a while they'll catch the other guy and they'll pass the other guy. You see what I'm saying? And though, and so that is, that is the basics of understanding the covenant because a lot of times what happens is, you know, I know we went really real for a minute, but now we pull it back into, into sort of like the bigger areas of life. What happens is we don't receive from God because we're too busy, you know, either trying to get it our way, you know, not being patient, not liking what he told us to do. You know, I had an argument one time with somebody about pastor. <clears throat> he knows something, I'm not telling him. I mean, I'm not, it's not something he's never heard, but, um, but this was God many years ago. I had just kind of started with the church. Um, and they were like, um, well, do you just do whatever he tells you? And I'm like, yeah, pretty much. And they were like, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, you know, that's literally a quote anyway. And I'm like, look, and I said, if it's not illegal and it's not immoral, Shut up and do it. Why? Because if, if you've ever tried to teach anybody anything, like at work or at home or anything, if they know more than you, just shut up. Just shut up. You know, it, I know you've had people like this at work, yes? Okay, but no, you need to do, no, when at my place, we used to do it like this. Okay, well then do it the way you want to do it and you... Because you're, you're wasting your breath. You have, to be able to, you have to be able to shut it off and just say, okay, God, I, I, I really and truly, or let's make this easier, Dad, I don't understand why you constantly want me to throw out the trash. It's hardly even full and it barely smells. <laughs> and I don't understand how me doing that is going to, you know is going to make you that much more, you know, ready to buy me a car when I, when I get my license. Okay, maybe that doesn't make sense to a kid. Maybe it'll never make sense to the kid. But if he just shuts up and does it anyway, he'll get the blessing that he couldn't pay for because it costs way more to get a car than it does to have somebody take out your trash. You're not earning it with what you do. You're earning it with your obedience and the relationship. It's, it's the point God's been trying to make from the very, very beginning. He wants to walk with you every day. That's the point. He doesn't want you to earn it. He wants you to be there. Okay? And that, that's, the point. that's the point of the covenant with Jesus. It's just the relationship. He's already done everything. You know, the stuff that he asks you to do, maybe it doesn't make sense, but it's for your benefit. Trust me, because God's not getting anything out of this deal other than spending time with you. You know, so, I mean, that's, that's really all he wants. And so when you, 
when you just say like, okay, I don't, I don't get it, God, but I'm going to do it. And then like you don't see results right away. Sorry, I'm not going to get you a car like five seconds after you take out the trash for the first time. But do it for a couple of years and have a good attitude. And that's definitely going to be, you know, that's going to be part of the deal. Okay. Um, so everything you keep inside, everywhere you're willing to listen, every area of your life that you're willing to listen to God and do what he says, even if it doesn't make any sense to you at the time, that area will be blessed. Sometimes it, you know, sometimes, sometimes you want it to come faster, but I, I just don't know what to say. You're not thinking right. You're not thinking right. Because, I mean, I've seen this. This happened at school. So every year, our kids get ready to graduate. Our, our 12th grade gets ready to graduate. And we start hitting them. Oh, look, here's this scholarship. You need to apply for it. You need, oh, there's another one. Here's this one. Apply for this one. Apply for that one. So many kids, right or wrong, refuse to even fill out the paperwork. They don't feel like it. Okay? They don't feel like it. I bet you when they're working a minimum wage job, you know, serving coffee at Dunkin' Donuts for, you know, they could have gotten $1,000, $1,500, $500, you know, by filling out a piece of paper. And now instead they're going to have to go work, I don't know how many hours, and then of that, how much are you going to get to keep? You know, how many hours of working at Dunkin' Donuts would you have traded for filling out that piece of paper like once, once it went bad, you know, once the, once, the, once the opportunity passed you by. And, you know, we try, to, we, we try to explain this to the kids, but they're not the only ones. The reason why I'm bringing this up, because that's us. You know, God tells us, forgive. And we're like, I don't want to. You know, I'd rather just carry this for a couple of years and make my life bitter and make my kids hate me. You know, you know, you laugh because it's true. Um, you know, uh, you know, uh, everything, you know, inflation, I think we're hitting, <laughs> we're hitting at about 13% right now. Um, it, nothing's affordable. Okay, that's fine. What did God tell you to do? Well, okay, God said tithe. Well, God didn't go up. <laughs> Still 10%. You know, you still get access to all of God's financial covenant for 10%. You mean you want to try to earn it? Knock yourself out. I'd rather take out the trash. That's just me. Um, bottom line is, if whatever part of our life, see, it's not about it. Only God knows your heart, right? So if God knows your heart and, you know, only God knows whether you're playing with him or not. Okay, I don't. You can be like those Pharisees and look all, you know, pretty and white on the outside and all full of death on the inside. I don't know. Okay, but God does. And so I'm not going to, you know, I'm not judging you as to that. But what happens is if you have accepted Jesus as Lord and then you don't. Okay. We're going to get a little bit serious here for a second. If I take a kid and I adopt them and I go through the process, legal adoption, they're my kid, and they don't like me and we don't get along real well, 
you know, if everything's legal and all that other stuff, he may not, he may not get a lot of, uh, he may not get a lot of, let's just call it blessing from me in his life. You know, I can't really do anything for him because he's going to use it to go, you know, do drugs or get messed up or, you know, all kinds of different things that, that kids can do when they're not, when they're not living right. All right. But at the end of the day, if something were to happen to me, you know, they would probably get an inheritance. Okay. Why? Well, because they're my kid, not because they earned it. All right. So we're kind of in the same situation with God. If, if we're honest, okay. And we, and we allow God to adopt us into Jesus's family. And then we proceed to not do anything he says. Like only God can judge. I mean, you know, I could say, I mean, I could say something. It's a really good chance I'm wrong. You know, there's people right now that are living like, you know, they're best friends with the devil. But it could just be that they're adopted and, and uh, completely not doing anything that they're supposed to. I, I don't know that. It's not my job to judge that anyway. So only that person knows whether they're, whether they're fooling or trying to fool God or not. I mean, they may fool me, but they're not going to fool him. And so what happens is we're not going to earn heaven with our obedience. Okay? But then if you also say, well, I'm going to just do whatever I want to in this life, and it's, you know, it doesn't matter. Well, you're making a mistake of a different type. Because what happens is, I mean, I hope for your sake that you're, that you are right about, you know, I, it's hard because, you know, not being, not knowing the, you know, not seeing people the way God sees them, you know, like in other words, knowing the, the absolute truth about whether a person has given their life to God or not, it's hard to say. But what I'm saying is you as a person should know that, you know, if I come up and kick you and say, sorry, and then come up and five seconds later and kick you again, and I do it, you know, 10 or 15 times, and every time I say I'm sorry, you might start to get the idea that I'm not really sorry. Okay? At a certain point, there should be something, there should be something visible. You know, I should like, at least tomorrow, I should maybe kick you less. You know? If I'm, if I'm serious about it, okay? It's the same thing with God, because some people take God and they're like, okay, you know, well, I said a prayer, so now I can, I mean, I've heard people say it. If I don't sin, then God's, then Jesus' crucifixion was for nothing. I'm like, good Lord, you know, you must not, absolutely true. I mean, well, okay, um, you know, again, I, I spent half my life in a Catholic church. I've, see, I've heard that too from over there. You know, if you don't have anything to confess to the priest, then what, you know, what's he even doing there? I'm like, that, that's not how that's supposed to work, but okay. I mean, that's like. You know, I slam my hand in the I slam my hand in the car door ten times because it feels so great when I stop. You know, I, I don't understand the thinking, but but that's you know I, I so I can't judge how people live. But what I can tell you is, you know, you have to examine your own life and see. Okay, first of all, am I in am I in covenant with with Jesus? You know, did I accept His sacrifice on my behalf? Because if you really did, that should change something. You know, for as much as God has done for me in my life, I would hate to think that something I do adds another thorn, adds another, you know, 
adds another stripe on Jesus because I'm not an idiot. I, you know, at least I try not to be. And so, you know, only, only people can answer this for themselves. But if, you, if you've already done that and you have a lot of faults, but you are still pointed in the right direction, don't worry about it. You're still adopted. But don't let that make you comfortable because the truth is, yeah, you can die and go to heaven, but you won't, you won't live the life that God wants you to live down here. He wants you to live in peace, joy, health, prosperity, everything he wants. He, and it's not even for you because you could just die and go to heaven and have all those things without even earning it. Okay? The reason why he wants you to, to, to give it a shot down here is because then you can be a witness for other people and say, you know, like, how are you making it in a town that, you know, doesn't have one major industry? Well, you know, let me tell you about God because God does things that, you know, don't make any sense, you know? Um, and so basically, all of, all of that, what, what I was saying is, it, it takes a little more difficulty to live like an adult in the covenant, right? You know, as your kids start to get older, um, you have to stop, you know, you have to stop with the no because I'll spank you. And you have to start trying to get them to understand that they shouldn't do it because it hurts them, not, not me, you know. Um, you know, again, it, it has so much to do with the heart behind it, you know. Um, you know, even if I read a book that talks about how to improve my relationship with my wife, and I sit there and I'm like, okay, number one, give her flowers. Okay, here you go. Number two, say nice things. Your hair, it is so nice. You know, and I'm just trying to check boxes. If, believe it or not, that will not impress her. Okay, doesn't impress God either. You know, is your heart in it? She would rather she would rather get get an ugly an ugly painting by me, completely done without any skill. But I was like, hey, look what I made you, and I really, you know, I really meant it than to get you know, like some fancy piece of jewelry. You know, why? Well, because my heart was in it. Believe it or not, you can actually get them jewelry and your heart be in that too. So like, don't use that as an excuse to be cheap, guys. But, <laughs> but that's, you know, it's like I said, if the heart's not in it, then it really kind of doesn't matter. You know, and that's why I spent so much time saying like, you have to, you have to maintain that relationship with, with Jesus and make sure that, you know, I mean, I've done it before where you sit there and you're like, God, this is like the 3,000th time, you know, that I've screwed up in this same area. What do I do about this? Well, you know, and like any other parent, he's, you know, he is um, compassionate and, and, and they want to work you through it. But it's a whole different thing when you're just saying, well, you know, I'm just going to do whatever I want because at the end of the day, Jesus already adopted me. So uh, yeah, I said the prayer, so I'm good. Okay, again, it's the heart behind both situations may look the same to me, but they are very different where God is concerned. Because, you know, you know, God really does much more care about the condition of your heart because that tells you whether you are, you know, whether you are, um, appreciating what he's doing for you or you're just, you know, being <laughs> a brat.
So, um, so basically, every part of our life that we leave, leave to the lordship of Jesus, he will talk to us. And if we do what he says in that area, that area will begin to improve. If you don't, you know, he'll still talk to you. If you don't do anything about it, he'll be just like he was with Abraham. And maybe 13 years later, when you can't handle it, you, you can't handle the wages of your own disobedience, you know, he'll talk to you then. Uh, but all the, all the strife that you've caused for yourself in the in-between, that was never his plan. That was, that was as a result of you having your plan. So at the end, you know, <laughs> I have a statement here on my notes because it goes with a story. It is as you will. There's a, there's a story that comes out of the Middle East. Um, doesn't have anything to do with the Bible. This is like a, an old Arabic thing where uh, this wise man was, was sitting there and um, this, little, uh, this little brat child uh, has, a, has a live bird in his hand and he brings it up to the wise man and he says, Oh, wise master, I, uh, uh, I, you know, I heard that you understand all things. He says, um, he says, um, I have a bird in my hand. Is it alive or is it dead? And then the story says that the, the man knew what kind of person he was talking to. And he says, well, you know, if I tell him it's alive, he'll squeeze his hands together and show me that the bird is dead. But if I say that it's dead, he'll open his hands and say, no, no, it's alive. And so he looks at him and he says, it is as you will. And that's kind of the way God talks to us about this. The, we go through this life as we will it. If we're willing to do what God said to do about it, our life can be much better. You know, um, his covenant with me is, is not this ring, but trust me, I'm marked. You know, I'm marked for all of the things that, 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 you know, that he has saved me from, saved me out of, you know, given to me. I mean, I couldn't even, I couldn't even begin to express it. You know, it's too late for me. You know, who knows where this government is headed if they ever like round me up and, and tell me, you know, deny Christ or I'm going to cut your head off. I'm going to be like, oh, well, you know, chop it off. Because I mean, I can't at this point, I can't deny it. You know, it's just been too many things. Just do, you know, if, if this is either God exists or this is the longest string of coincidences, you know, that have strung together for the past 35 years that I can imagine, you know. So now as an adult, you can see the function of, of the children's rules, okay? So most people follow the same rules that they understood as a child, but for completely different reasons, you know. You know, when you were a little kid, your mom had to tell you, don't touch the stove or I'll smack you, okay? Now you just don't touch the stove because you don't like getting burned. But you understand that, you know? Hopefully, <clears throat> you know, hopefully, you know, you, um, you understand that all the things, you know, um, you know, maybe when you get a little bit older and your parents are telling you, like, don't do drugs, Okay. Is it going to hurt them if you do? Not really. You know, what's it going to do for you? It's probably not going to end well. You know, we have plenty of examples of that. You know, the reason why God tells us to do things is the same reason our parents do. It's because they don't want it to hurt us. You know, 
um, whether whether my kids do good things or bad things, you know, the only pain it brings me is that their pain causes me pain. Same thing with God. You know, if they do things that aren't good for them, it, you know, it makes me feel bad, but it doesn't, it doesn't take anything from me. It just, it hurts, you know, because they're my kid. It's the same way with God, you know. He's not going to love you any less if you, if you do dumb things, but it, it hurts him when you, you know, because he knows how you could be living and he can't. So, you know, now as a Christian, when God tells me to do something, I really do try my best to do it. Sometimes I understand it. Sometimes I don't understand it. But I trust that, that if I do what he tells me to do, that the windows of my blessing will stay open. So the thing is that a lot of times as Christians, we, we kind of refuse to grow up. And we stay, you know, we stay having to, um, you know, fight like lawyers about, you know, what God said to do or not do. And so what happens is the Bible calls that living life as a mere man, you know, just like everybody else. In times, in economic times like what's happening right now, we should not be going through it. You know, we should not be suffering from it. Um, When... You know, when disease and pandemics come around, we shouldn't be suffering from that the way the world is. We have access to things that the world doesn't have access to. The only question is, I mean, gosh, this is going to be hard to say because it, it you know, this may hit really close to home, but I, I want you to understand, you know, if you have a really good job, and everything's going really well for you, your kids are not going to notice the price of gas. You know what I'm saying? It's not because they earned it. It's because you've already taken care of that. Okay? In the same way, when stuff happens out in the world, it's not that it's not happening. It's not that it doesn't, it doesn't have any effect on us. But we shouldn't suffer through that because, I mean, if you think, you know, again, I brought up Elon, so I guess we'll stay with him. You know, so, you know, if you think Elon, kids, Elon Musk's kids are worried about the price of gas, they're not. Okay? How much more so should the, you know, should the children of God not have to worry about these things? Not that it doesn't affect you, but God already knows. I mean, that's a quote right out of the Bible. God already knows you have need of these things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these other things get added to you. You don't have to go tackle them and run them down. They will be added to you. So if something's not working in there, that part of your life is just not under... I mean, I don't know how else to, I, I don't know how else to tell you. Because for me to deny that that's... In other words, the only explanation I can have, you know, if I'm... Hard on you, will you forgive me? Okay. So don't 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 say anything out loud. I mean, but is every single part of your life working perfectly? No. Okay. Me either, so don't feel bad. But I have to have like 
both of us have to have the willingness to say, okay, like I've got, I've got my area, you've got your area that you're thinking of. Okay, one thing I, I do, I mean, again, I'm not God, but I'm, I'm pretty sure you're saved. Okay, I'm pretty sure I'm saved.